Before we get started with this week's episode of The Tangent, I wanted to tell you about the newest podcast from Veritas Catholic Network. Father Sam Kachuba, the chaplain of Veritas Catholic Network and co-host of The Tangent, will be releasing a daily two-minute gospel reflection based off the Mass readings from the day. This is a super quick and easy way to start your day with the gospel, especially if it's difficult to find the time to listen to a full-length homily or podcast. Daily Gospel Reflections with Father Sam Kachuba is now available wherever you get your podcasts. A link to this new daily podcast is available in the show notes. Thank you, and enjoy the episode. I'm Father Sam Kachuba. Oh, man. Man. (laughs) Wow, I was not expecting that. No, you weren't. My name is Matt Sparazza. Yeah. (laughs) I caught you drinking your coffee. Nailed it. Oh, man. Incredible. I snuck right so, in. So, Father, you um, you had texted me yesterday, or the day before, one of the two, and said, "I have a ridiculous story to tell you." Um, so this is my invitation to you. Please share. All right, I do have a ridiculous story. It's it's very much a first world problem kind of story. Just sure. To kind of preface it that way. So I uh, I decided to buy a bookshelf. Because nice. I need I need some more space for books and everything, and I wanted to put it in. Uh, you, you'll see I'm I'm recording from my office and not from the room that I normally record, in where I've got a bookcase behind me, and I mm-hmm. wanted to get one that would fit better in that space because the bookcase is kind mm-hmm. of it just doesn't fit the whole space. So I went and I I measured the space, figured out exactly how wide I needed the bookcase to be, how tall I needed the bookcase to be, and then there's sort of a standard depth to the bookcases that I was I was finding. So I was, okay, as long as I've got the width and the height, I'm good. So I went on online and I was searching for for bookcases and I finally found one that I could specify the, you know, how wide I wanted it to be, how tall I wanted it to be. So I put in all the dimensions and everything right exactly as the form gave me. Put in all the dimensions. Right. Customizable. Great. Yeah, exactly. And it says it's going to take this long for delivery. All right, fine. I'll I'll wait a while longer. And finally, th- this big box comes in the mail, you know, weeks later. I'm like, oh, it's here. All right. This is great. So I get all excited. I take that other bookcase. I take everything off of it. I move it to a different room. I like, I rearrange all kinds of stuff so that I can have space to set up this new bookcase and everything. I open up the the box and I start putting it together. The directions are not in English. There's no English directions to be found anywhere. Uh, and I'm starting to look at the parts as I'm, as I'm getting ready to assemble stuff. I'm looking at the parts. I'm going, there's not a, a correct number of parts here. This doesn't make any sense. And then I realized that the pieces that are the, the correct width that I want, uh-huh. that's all that they've given me. They haven't given me because actually what they gave me was a significantly smaller bookshelf than what I asked for. They gave me like <laughs> the opposite of what I wanted. So they, <laughs> instead of giving me... Like the way that they, they gave it to me was the, the width of the of the bookcase that I wanted was actually the height of the bookcase. So <laughs> it's the exact opposite of what I was looking for. Like this this right. doesn't make any sense. And so I, I start putting pieces together and everything and I'm I'm figuring out from the diagrams that they have because there's it's not like IKEA where at least there's it's intended to be without words. Mm-hmm. No, it's got mm-hmm. words and, and instructions, but in a language that I cannot comprehend or speak or anything like what, that. What so language was it? I think it was a Chinese or something like that. I don't know. It okay. was it was frustrating. Yeah, it was so I'm putting this together. Yeah. 
and there's definitely like 30 extra screws just thrown in for some reason. And then Fantastic. three pieces of wood that didn't make any sense, that didn't like correspond to any <laughs> of the other sizes. They didn't make it into the final product. No, there's just these like extra pieces. This doesn't make any sense. There's no place to put them. There's no way to attach them to the rest of this. So like they just slap together some terrible, this just low quality junk and they threw it all in a box and they sent it to me. And so I'm starting to think, well, maybe I'll send it back. And I go, no, you know what? Because I have to pay shipping. Right. To return it, I'd have to, I'd have to pay shipping. I don't. I'm not getting a refund. They're not going to correct this and send me the right thing. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to eat the cost. Okay, forget it. Forget it. I hate this. I'm so annoyed. And then you, I thought to myself, you ordered a bookshelf and you received a night tape. <laughs> I just thought to myself, okay, you know what? There are worse things that could have happened to me today. Um, That's and I'm true. Just gonna, That's true. Yeah, it's 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 not as terrible as as I as I feel like it is, and actually, I think it kind of forced me to do some rearranging of things that probably I should have done a while ago. It got me to clean okay. up a little bit some of the stuff that's been uh, just lying around. I've just had piles of things in different places, and I've I've not been dealing with it. So like it was good. It was a good cleansing moment at the end of the mm-hmm. day, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's my ridiculous bookshelf uh, that honestly, the, even uh, once I got it finished, I'm like, this is. This is low quality. It's not even nice looking. (laughs) This is not even a nice bookshelf. It's not even nice. So I'm like, you know what? Forget it. Forget it. I I, I want nothing to do with this. It's just, it's done. I'm done. I'm done. So So you're not going to, you're never going to see it. It's not going to be behind me. It's not going to show up. I intend to see it at some point, but um, I'll buy it off you for like, I don't know, five, 10 bucks. I promise (laughs) you don't want it. I promise you don't want it. It's, it's so flimsy and so ridiculous and just, I love it. You don't want it. It's not even like, it's not even, it doesn't even look like it's a natural wood stain or anything. Right, right. Oh, awful. Right. Yeah. Awful. So I mean, but it's so frustrating because it's like the dimensions that I wanted were kind of unusual. It's not the standard bookcase that you'd you'd normally find, but they do come in this size. You just have to kind of find someplace that, that can order them. The problem that I have is that I went for the cheapest possible. Right. If I had, if I had paid a little bit extra, I could have gotten something that was a decent, uh, a decent value, right. but I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've got to, I've got to tell you, Father, you are showing the true level of frustration with this bookshelf because, <laughs> because I went to segue to my story and you brought it back up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. No, that's okay. That's okay. I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. I um, need conversion. And- <laughs> like when yeah, I no, say I'm first world problems, I mean it. Pain, that's all. But I realize how silly this is, and and I think that's an important piece. I I need to just make sure that it's clear. I understand that this is a silly thing to be annoyed by. Right, right. I I get yeah, it. The best part of this is that Ugh. we just interviewed several people about the problems in Haiti. You know, yeah, like exactly. That, that level of poverty, exactly. Um, and you know, and then we start our next episode. With this kind of problem, With, yeah, I I got a bookshelf and I don't like it. It's not even that it's and a, I don't like it, like <laughs> it would still function as a bookshelf. It's not that it's it, it doesn't. Right. It, it shares in the form yeah. of bookshelfness, and it can it can be fine. It can it can work, but right. no, right. no, 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 I don't like it. I would so. like to I would like to have a poster that says something like that. It shares in the form of bookshelfness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Anyway, so. 
so to to match you know your your ridiculous and fun story with my own ridiculous and fun story, <laughs> uh, as you can see, Father, uh, and those who are listening on podcast cannot. I have shaved my face. Um, so this event was preceded by this is this is just the introduction to the, the event. shaving event. Uh, Steve, the shaving of the face. Steve yeah. Lee compared me to Duck Dynasty. <laughs> which which felt like which felt like a stretch, but was definitely enough to get the job done. Um, and so and so I, I made the decision to trim my beard. Now this is not a trimmed beard; this is a shaved face. Right. And so the say, question has to be asked. At all. No, no, it is not right. And so the question has to be asked: What what did you do, Matt? Yeah, what um, went wrong? And buddy? the answer is is that the answer is that I attempted to trim my beard without charging my trimmer. And so about halfway through <laughs> trimming my beard, which was like by, by like a pretty significant margin, you know, my trimmer died. And so I was walking around with half of a beard on my face. <laughs> and we, you know, I made phone calls. I, I like I called my parents because they, they live close enough. I was like, I was like, I will drive to your house and get my old trimmer. You know what I mean? I'll 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 eat it for 20 minutes, you know? didn't have one and so I, I ended up having to bite the bullet and and shaving my face because I had like an inch and a half of beard on my left side of my face and you, like a quarter inch to a half of an inch of beard on my right side of my how face. Long, how long would it have I taken your, your thing to charge? So that's what it is. I, I did try and like, all right, I'm going to give it 20 minutes, you know, and then you know, like go back up and, and continue the job. And after 20 minutes, I got like maybe 15 seconds of charge, you know, <laughs> really it's that it's a, it's a bad trimmer is what, what it is, you know? Um, but it was hilarious. I could I not it. believe, I felt like I was in a sitcom, you know, yeah, like it, that absolutely. is such a movie moment, you know? So St. Philip Neary used to shave half of his beard. And he would shave half his beard just so that people would laugh. Oh my gosh, so good. So he'd walk around with only half a beard on his face, but he, he would go like down to the skin. It wasn't like he trimmed it right. and had an unevenly right. trimmed beard. No, he shaved half of his face and then would just walk yeah. outside to like let people laugh at him. I love so that. That's I mean, your I, Philip Neary moment. Yeah, I think that... Um, so first of all, I I knew that Philip Neary had a had an inclination towards humor because of our our interview with Dr. Ordway. Yeah. Right, that he utilized humor to build virtue. Um and we did talk about that with her, but I suppose that that could be something that we just, you know, briefly touch on here, which is I think humor is one of the best ways to build humility. Oh, Legitimately, yeah. you know, like like and it and it there there is the um there's the question of whether or not God has a sense of humor. And then you see saints that have lives like that or just do things like that. And it's like, that's, that's, that's inspired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? Does God have a sense of humor? He has to have a sense of humor. I mean, he absolutely has to have a sense of humor. Otherwise, things, things don't make sense, right? Like the fact that turkey right. is such a delicious bird to eat but looks the way that it looks <laughs> – it doesn't make any sense, right? It, you, you expect that something that is, is okay. delicious to eat is also going to be beautiful. 
There's going to be something about it that you can kind of marvel at and say, wow, this is really amazing. You don't look at a turkey and, and marvel at the wonder of the turkey. You go, that's the ugliest bird I've ever seen in my life. I think I'll cut its head off and eat it. No, that's not what you think, right? It doesn't make any any sense, but there's there's a reality to this. So God has to have a sense of humor, right? The other part is, I mean, just, just if we think about God's sense of humor, uh, then all we have to do is look at the apostles, Mm-hmm. And we just have to look and see how how they do things, how they approach things, and honestly, how how silly they can seem sometimes. The sorts of questions that they ask, the stuff that they get annoyed by, there's just something kind of funny about it, right? But I think you're right too that that the saints and the way that they use humor can teach humility. That's that's really true too, because when you, especially when you use humor, sort of in a self-deprecating way. Mm-hmm. Like you, so you make a joke at your own expense. What you're doing then when you make that joke at your own expense is you're, you're saying, I'm not too full of myself. I'm, I'm aware of my yeah. foibles. I'm aware of my shortcomings and everything. So I'm going to laugh at myself because I know how, yeah. how silly it is. The other one, have you ever heard of this story that Duke Ellington, so the great jazz yeah, musician. That, he's a, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That when he would have people visiting, if somebody, he wanted everybody to be comfortable in his home. So he'd have a, mm-hmm. a party or something. Sitting at dinner, somebody spills a drink. Uh, in order so that they wouldn't feel like embarrassed by having spilled their drink, he would almost immediately spill his drink also. That's awesome. I love or, that. Or oh in, in the attempt at trying to help them, they spilled their drink and they're, they're feeling embarrassed. He would say, oh, don't worry. And he would get up and knock over his drink and maybe the drink of the person sitting next to him so that right, the person right. who just knocked over their drink didn't didn't feel bad at having done this, you know? Oh, that's, that's so That's good. a great way to do it. Like, I'm yeah. going to do, it's not even so much to be funny, but I'm going to do something that doesn't look great, doesn't look quite right, but I'm going to do it right. so it, that it, you feel more comfortable. It levels the playing field is what it does. Yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. When you said, um, you know, look at the way the apostles do things. Admittedly, this isn't really an example with the apostles, although I suppose Nicodemus was, he was a disciple to an extent, you know? Um, although, I, I mean, later in the Gospels, they do specify that he was a disciple. Now, didn't he, didn't he with Simon? He was, of, he was a disciple. He's not one of the apostles, but he's a disciple. He's not one of the apostles, but... But he does become a full-fledged sure. disciple at one point. It's so confusing if you've watched The Chosen, you know, when uh, <laughs> when Jesus leaves and Nicodemus is behind the wall crying. But that's why they say at the beginning of The Chosen that this is a dramatic <laughs> representation and that you should read the Gospels. <laughs> um, but... I don't know. I could I could see somebody hiding behind a wall sobbing because they've met Jesus. I can I can totally see that. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, right? We've all we've all had that sobbing behind a wall. We've all been there. Um, <laughs> but but um, I love in in the Gospel of John when Nicodemus meets with Jesus at night, and because the thing is like upon first read, when when Nicodemus when Jesus is talking about being born again, and Nicodemus is like, "What are we supposed to do? Go back inside our mothers?" You know, my first inclination, like like I. Th- it, I don't know when the first time I read it was, you know, but I was, I was a younger person, you know, was like, what is this guy, an idiot? You know, like, like <laughs> what is, what is, he, what, it, this guy is one of the foremost teachers <laughs> in Israel. 
what? <laughs> you know, and only in only learning that like it's a pharisaical method to be to go way beyond so as to clarify, you know, but also like as I, I guess just as, you know, growing in maturity insofar as growing in maturity and like reading the gospels, you know, like it's pretty funny, you know. Like that Jesus was yeah. like, you got to be born again by spirit and water. And Nicodemus was like, you want me to go back inside my mom? <laughs> it's, I wonder, is is he being sarcastic? Right, yeah. Right? So it almost sounds like something that could be said yeah. in Seinfeld. You know? <laughs> Can't you hear the bass slap? <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. But, yeah. That's really but, good. But I, I think there's some value in also reading reading the gospels that way you know because it obviously not only that way you can't only make a joke out of the gospels to be clear the tangents official advice is not to make a joke out of the gospels thank you appreciate you clarifying that this is what you've learned from this episode dear listener that you should (laughs) one read the gospel instead of just watching the chosen and two not make a joke out of the gospels exclusively you're welcome Uh, yeah 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 I, one of the foremost teachers on the radio. <laughs> I, but I see, I like the idea of, of, of using humor and especially for, for us as Catholics to, to use humor. Look at like some of the really good comedians out there. Um, there's, there's mm. all kinds of good stuff. Um, you've got like Jim Gaffigan. He, he'll make jokes mm. about being a Catholic too. Uh, and he's, yeah, he he's pretty funny, right? Then you have- He is uh, a pretty funny guy. They just had uh, Matt Frad interviewed Shane Smith who's a, a comedian. Oh my gosh. Uh, and I love he's, con- he's converting to Catholicism. It's I know. It's a really cool story. And it's, it's actually a really beautiful story. It, go and listen. We'll link to the Pints with Aquinas episode in the show notes, but mm-hmm. go and listen to Shane Smith's whole conversion story and how he's coming can, in. Can but, we actually talk about that for a second? Not to yeah. interrupt you, but- No, but, I, I, so, think, I think we can. There's some backstory here. I found Shane Smith- um, are, are, have you watched a bunch of his comedy or no? I've seen bits and pieces. I, ha- I I'm not a devoted it's, fan. It's really of funny. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, he's got this whole bit about karate that I'm not sure. I, if that's the one that I've heard. Yeah. It oh, it's it's hilarious. You know. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, for context, dear listener, um, Shane Smith is this ex like gang member who is covered head to toe in tattoos, completely, and yet everywhere. he is. He is like, I'm not saying he's a nerd because that feels mean, you know, but he, I, I guess he calls himself a nerd, you know, he's like the nerdiest dude in the world. It's hilarious, you know, yeah, his voice and the way that he speaks is not what you expect when you see him. No. They no, don't match so up. Good. And that's, I think that's part of the, the great gift of his comedy actually is that oh, so good. what you're looking at and what you're hearing are seem, seem to be so incongruous that you're trying to figure it out. Right. That's yeah, great. Right. And, and so, so I found his comedy, you know, and the, the first reaction that I had was, I, this is hilarious. And I love that it's clean. He basically doesn't curse Yeah. Um, here, here and there. Cause I've seen like a good amount of his comedy, you know, here and there he does. Um, but, but for the most part, totally clean, you know? Um, and then, um, and this is obviously not to meant, meant to be a straight up critique of Shane Smith, you know, if you're listening, um, but I did. We'd love to have you on the tangent. Yeah, yeah. Also, you can come in, come on the show and defend yourself. Um, but but I did say to myself, this is really interesting because 
for example, in that karate bit, which I will butcher because he's funnier than me. Um, We're not going to tell. We can't. No, we get. We got to let people go. No, find no, it. no, no, no. I'm not going to tell. Otherwise, the joke. it's not I'm funny. Gonna, you know. Right, right. It's it's like some of the humor is based in like this fairly violent event. You know what I mean? That right. like he thinks it's a no holds bar karate tournament and it's actually yeah. an all holds bar karate tournament and so all like holds some bar. people get knocked out you know what i mean like <laughs> it's actually a highly regulated strict rules sort of a fight it's yeah it's not a do anything you want. says karate is fun you know <laughs> but but i said to myself um this is interesting because it's super funny and it's really clean but it's a little bit it's a little bit violent and i don't know I don't know if that takes away from the cleanness of the comedy, you know, like it's an underlying uh, lack of cleanness. But but the, but the point is that I had this thought, you know, and so I said, I really like this guy's comedy. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to pray for him because Are you taking I ended credit up for Shane Smith's the, conversion. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> but I ended up. But I ended up seeing some videos where, you know, he's talking about his tattoos and he was like, um, he was like, uh, I'm not saying magic's real, but if it is, shouldn't we try it? <laughs> you know? And I was like, I was like, I was like, Ooh, maybe not, you know, but, <laughs> but, but, um, so I was, so I had made the decision that I'm going to like say a couple prayers for Shane Smith and then like, no joke. Five or six weeks later, I see an announcement on Matt Frad's Instagram that Shane Smith is becoming a Catholic and will be on the show promptly. And I, I jumped out of my seat. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, this is crazy. <laughs> I would really encourage people to go and listen to the go and listen to the episode of Pints with Aquinas because, it, first of all, it's a beautiful story. But second he actually touches on some of that stuff with the the nature of his comedy and the stuff that he's, that he's doing. And he actually talks right. about how with some of the stuff he, he kind of reminds anybody who's listening that there are, there are videos of his comedy and he goes, you got to understand this is all recorded before I was Catholic or before I was even thinking yeah. about becoming Catholic. And he goes, so you're seeing actually the development of his life, yeah. the development of his conscience. And that's a really cool thing to be able to see. Not all of us have recorded for posterity, the things yeah. that we used to be, right? We, yeah. we typically tell the story maybe, like I can tell people what I used to be like or that I did this thing, but it's not usually recorded and visible and able to be played back for us again and again. But he's got these these right. routines that he did. He goes, now I wouldn't do it. I, I would absolutely not make those kinds of jokes right. or use that kind of language because – a lot of like you're, you're right. A lot of his stuff is is very clean. He doesn't curse or anything like that. But there are some where he does, and he says, "Right, I I don't want to do that anymore." And so he's putting and, all that and, stuff to the side, which is really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And to be clear, um, obviously, I'm not trying to shame him because no, I understand where all. he's coming from. As as someone who was away from the faith, you know, and came yeah. back. I understand that perspective, but also I can understand it as an artist because I have music out that I wrote during that time away from the church and the faith, you know, and I have not erased that music, even though I recognize that like, oh, you know, I wouldn't, I don't think I would do that now. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't think this is how I would present this situation now. And obviously it's different songwriting to comedy, you know, but like, I understand but having that quote it's unquote, so record of actually. where you were. 
you know songwriting and comedy it's it's not that dissimilar because you're you're writing something about what you're experiencing just ask jack black yeah (laughs) (laughs) but look at it like shane smith tells stories about things that happened and some of them sometimes you have to be able to find the humor in the darkest things that you've done and so part of the reason that he's able to laugh at the story of of his karate tournament experience is because he's looking at a very dark chapter of his life and he's finding something that's funny about it because even though there's something violent that happens, even though there's something that's clearly in, he was clearly in the wrong. What he's able to do is say, look how dumb I was. I didn't understand this. I thought it was just going to be like this. And actually look how decent all these people are that they, that they tolerated me in my stupidity Mm -hmm. and all the dumb things that I did. Mm -hmm. So he's actually able to find a lot of light in, in even those really dark places. But the same thing happens with a songwriter. You're writing songs. You're, you're writing about these things that happened to you um, yeah. and these experiences that you had. And what happens? You, you're writing things that are, are true. Mm-hmm. This is really what I'm feeling. This is really what I'm experiencing. And that's the, the key. That's what you're trying to communicate. Yeah. Have you seen the um, the Ken Burns documentary on country music? No, no. Oh, I think you'd love it because you had your time in Nashville too, so I think you'd really like it. Yeah, yeah. But they, yeah, it feels it, like home, it's, right? It's remarkable the the ties that you see and the way that different musical genres are so deeply connected to one another. But they're talking about mm-hmm. uh, Tammy Wynette and Loretta Lynn, and okay. they said that it seemed like they sang each other's songs. Mm-hmm. So Loretta Lynn would sing these songs, basically threatening her husband. Uh, you know, I'm going to walk out on you because you keep doing these things. Uh, I don't need you. I'm on my own. I'm, I'm strong without you. And Loretta Lynn was married, uh, had, a, had a good, strong marriage. Tammy Wynette sings Stand By Your Man and was divorced several times, right? right. <laughs> Didn't seem to be able to find that. Right. But she said it seemed like they sang each other's songs. And that was part of what made them such like powerful singers. Um, and also mm-hmm. it's what made them good friends. <laughs> So right. I think that's, that's right. a really interesting one. You know, you, as you're yeah. talking about those songs, though, that you wrote. So you wrote songs at a time in your life when you weren't, you weren't really living out the, the Catholic faith. You're struggling in your spiritual yeah. life. And so there are songs yeah. that are going to, if you psychoanalyze them, yeah. you're going to find Which some of that. I often try not to. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to find some I of that I go out of my there. way. Yeah. <laughs> but you might look back on your on your old catalog of songs and be like, "Wow, I know what I was going through there." But it's an authentic expression yeah. of what was really happening. That's the whole book of Psalms. Yeah. The whole book of Psalms, you have these the penitential Psalms, you have the Psalms of praise, you have the the Psalms of uh in times of distress and times of difficulty because David is writing an authentic right. expression of what he was experiencing. This is this is the stuff that I'm going through. And so this is the way that right. I, I talk to God. And at different times in our lives, we're going to bring to God different things. I'm in a really good place right now, Lord. So here's all the good stuff that's going on. I praise you. I'm thankful. I'm joyful. Mm-hmm. And everything is terrible now, God. And now I'm angry and I'm struggling and I'm crying right. out to you for mercy. Seriously. Here I am penitent and and sorrowful for, for my sins. So God, please have mercy on me. Uh, here I am just marveling at all the, all the stuff that's going on. I, I'm not even in a good mood, but I can't believe how beautiful everything is. So that's the I Psalms. And, and it's, but it's, it shows kind of the beauty of art, you know, like, I mean, yeah. so, so I love, I love, I've, and I've actually thought about doing, 
Because it, it, in many ways, it feels like that chapter of my life. Um, I see, I see almost like a great divide between that chapter of of life and the chapter that I'm currently living in. You know, um, just because I like again, right? Not to just bring the chosen up every ten minutes, but <laughs> what is it? It's like you know, they they go up to Mary Magdalene, and it's um, you know, what happened? Well. I met him and what is the line? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's I met I, him and I, I I know what you're talking about. I don't know what the line is. Oh, I'm sorry. It's what well, I was I was one way and now I'm another way. And the the thing in between was him or the difference was him, right? Yeah. Um, and and so I I first of all that's a brilliant line. What well well, well, well written. writer but, yeah <laughs> well well excuse me writer where was that in the gospels um but. <laughs> But but the point being that, like, I actually think there's a, a tremendous amount of beauty. And the Psalms is a testament to, to the amount of beauty that goes with the idea of, like, keeping your te- keeping the keeping the ugly in your testimony. Thank goodness David kept the ugly in his testimony. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it is a true sign of hope to us ugly people, you know, who, like, need to see, oh, David messed up that bad. Oh, okay. He's yeah. the one that God says, you know, has a heart after. What is it? A heart after His own. I'm I'm terrible at quoting lines today. <laughs> <laughs> so David's the you the know the king point, listener. Yeah, David is the one who is, in spite of all the all the mess that David ends up in, he's still the the sign of what the king of Israel is supposed to be. Right. Right. And so everything about about Israel, David is is the one who who summarizes what Israel can be, the greatness of of Israel right. as a nation, as a people. And so he's the sign of of what it means to be faithful to God, what it means to be conformed to God's plan and God's will, but he's also the sign of what it means to sometimes mess up and need to repent. Right. And so David in his own person. I looked it up. It's that what's, David's what's a line? man after God's heart. That's what it yeah. is. <laughs> Thank you, Google. <laughs> but but the point that I'm saying is that thank goodness we have that testimony and so I've actually thought about kind of creating chapters in my own music you know we're like putting collecting all of the pre-conversion songs and putting it in one collection and then releasing new music as as what I actually believe is a new person you know like I really mm. if sin clouds your judgment you know and I and I know people who have experienced that in the micro and the macro. For me, it's definitely a macro thing where I genuinely like. I think that I lost the capacity to reason well for years. Like like I know that sounds silly, but like when I came to know Christ, I learned a new way of thinking. You know, um, and I know people who will say that like, oh, I need to go to confession every four weeks because after four weeks. Like I'm, I'm all foggy, you know. I'm just at my limit. Uh, I can't. Yeah, you know. I can't keep that's going. I got, yeah, I can't. I need to go to confession, and and right I on. think both hold hold great truth, you know. Um, but I think it's a cool testimony to say, well, this is who I was, and this is who I am. Yeah. You ever follow an artist long enough to have kind of listen to them over the course of their career. So you've heard their mm-hmm. different albums and you've heard the things that they're, that they're writing and you, you kind of see the general arc of it. And there's, there's something yes. I think powerful there. Uh, the Avit brothers, um, 
have the song uh, Murder in the City. And mm -hmm. if you listen to the earliest recordings of it, uh, it's it says something like, make sure my sister knows I loved her. And then it changes and it's make sure my parents know I love them. And then it changes again and it's uh, make sure my daughter knows I love her. Mm. And so well. you see how they're... Uh, as a band and and as their lives have changed and everything the priority changes so they they changed the song now mm -hmm. it's they've recorded it many times over the years but they they just changed simple things to kind of emphasize where they are at the moment right and i think that's a right. really cool thing to do uh, not many cool. bands would go back and re-record their own stuff with like a new lyric or something but i like yeah. that there's another guy named uh, Stephen Kellogg Stephen Kellogg's actually uh, right. originally from Fairfield so that's the cool local connection here. Shout, got, shout out to Stephen Kellogg. He's he's really solid. Like check out Stephen. I've Kellogg. I've heard his name he's, before actually. He's he's a really good songwriter, uh, but on an album a couple years ago, he had a line and it was something like, uh, "People keep asking me how many times I'm gonna uh, sing about my daughters." <laughs> It's like that's basically what he was saying. It's I'm obviously mm -hmm. butchering his his lyric. He said it in a much more poetic and beautiful way. Um, mm -hmm. But it's it's this question that's posed to him. Like, are you ever going to write about anything else? And he goes, Why would I? Like, why wouldn't right. I write about the thing I love the most and the people mm -hmm. who I love the most? And there's something really, again, just so beautiful about that sentiment. And yet, you can definitely trace the the maturation of his life. And the the places where he's he's found the most important things and the the priorities and everything, I love it when you can find that in uh, in the, in the life and in the in the work of of an artist, either a painter or a, a musician or even a comedian, because you're going to mm -hmm. find it in comedians too, the the ways right. that they make jokes, the kinds of things that they talk about, sometimes the confidence that they build up over time. Yeah, a lot of a lot of comedians, especially, they start off. And they've got their sort of set of jokes that they're going to make, and they might avoid certain topics, or they don't want to. They don't want to do certain things. But then, as they, as they grow as comedians, as in their capacity to do different things, now they're more willing to maybe push on certain things. And, and actually, I think that's why mm -hmm. comedians are great in the context of uh, a very maybe hostile culture. Mm -hmm. You ever watch a comedian who's not afraid to talk about certain issues? Yeah, I'm to the one that comes to mind is uh, James Donald Forbes McCann. Do you know him? He was also he's the one featured on by, Bites. Yeah, yeah, he was also interviewed yeah. by Matt Frat on Bites of the Quintus. Yeah, yeah, which is funny that he apparently Matt Frat is the source of my comedy. But well, I think I think <laughs> we should also point out that uh, Matt Frat interviewed Stephanie Gray Connors after we interviewed her. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically speaking, she was on Matt Frad's show like four years ago, but that doesn't whatever. Count. This is a new whatever. book. This is this is now. That was then. This is now. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I was one way. Now I'm another. The difference in between was Jesus. It's, okay. <laughs> the difference in between was not Matt Frad. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> but if if you watch some of these guys and they have the confidence to talk about these things. Part of what, what makes these difficult issues palatable is when you have somebody who can make a joke about them. 
because mm-hmm. it helps you to take the step back from it. This is so weighty and so serious and everything is so serious all the time. Everything is so weighty yeah. all the time. Let's laugh a little bit because actually laughter helps to break the tension. Now, if you're obviously, if you're making jokes all the time about something and you're never taking it seriously, that's going to indicate something that's problematic. But if we can, if we right. can laugh every once in a while, man, what a difference. Yeah, and I think we need yeah, to learn how to do it's that. It's a gift. It's yeah. a gift, you know? Like, I mean, if you think about a life without laughter, the first thing that you should think is, man, that's really sad. You know, like it is, you know? And so it's a laughter and comedy are actual gifts from God. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes, at least in, in our political, you know, culture, um, we forget that. Because we want to yeah. take we want to take everything so seriously, so seriously. Of course, comedy is also not an invitation to just be mean. For example, for example, and this is obviously not a political statement from the tangent, um, but I'm pretty sure Donald Trump posted a video on his Instagram where he featured videos of Joe Biden and the White House. But but he I don't know this for certain. Fact check me. Let me know. Um, <laughs> but he featured he featured these videos and he under underlaid it or overlaid it, whichever the term is, um, with a with a commercial about a senior living home. <laughs> and it's like I don't know. You know, I I should I shouldn't have laughed there. Mean, mean, Mr. Trump, mean former Matthew. president. But 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 the point being like. There is a limit, you know, like that's a shot at a guy's character. I mean, and of whom for the public record, I think he has some flaws in his character, you know? Um, so. But you see, when, when you've got, when you've got somebody who's able to, to make a joke about something, it can be good, but there's also sometimes right. you're not the right person to make the joke. Right. 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 There's some things that I can't, I can't tease or some some things that I can't make fun of in other people's lives, right? That it's not right. appropriate for me to be the one who makes a joke about it. But if yeah. they want to make a joke about yeah. it, ah, okay, no problem. Or if somebody else, like a third party makes the joke, okay, that's fine. Right. Can I ask you this? Um, knowing that you're no political scientist. That's very um, true. <laughs> what, what do you think, what do you think um, the role of humor in politics should be because i do think that we've reached a point where um it seems like for whatever reason being a gentleman is no longer like a prerequisite to running a campaign um and that's not i'm not trying to take a shot at like i mean everybody knows the obvious candidates for that shot but it's not but like all politics. It's everywhere. I'm not saying that. No, but, it, but it's everywhere. Think of all the negative right, okay. attack campaign ads that you see about any right. type of any race. It doesn't have to be federal. It, does, it could be a state level. It could be your town race. There's going to be some negative attack ad that's run. Right. Uh, that tries right. to mock something. Were you recently or, or, the or victim of a town? <laughs> town. I, I have not been, as far as I know. Um, that's but good. Whatever. Someone I, runs I think for there's... mayor of Fairfield, <laughs> takes a shot at their podcast. Takes a shot at me. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. No, I think there's there's definitely a, a role for comedy and and for mockery. I, I always like looking back at the the jester mm. uh, in in the in the monarch's court. Right. Yeah, yeah. Part of the role of the jester wasn't just to entertain the court, but part of the role of the jester was also, they say, to kind of take a shot at the king. Really? Yeah. 
it wasn't just to make the king that. laugh. Sometimes it was also to make fun of the king because nobody else could. Right. Because anybody else who was making fun of the king was making fun of the king as an attack on his person. When the jester was doing it, it was understood that this is just to be funny. But it was right. also the reminder that the king and, and is still it was a to person. be funny, and the king allows him to. Right. Like exactly. it's a point. It's an appointed role. Yeah. Now I'm sure there were some jesters who went a little too far and who who said things to the king or about the king that they maybe shouldn't have. But I think right, there's right. there's a certain place where we and need promptly to promptly lost to, their heads. Yeah. <laughs> we need to be able to to be roasted a little bit. Everybody, anybody yeah. who's in a position yeah. of authority, especially, uh, there's there's got to be some room for that. But there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the right way or the wrong way is. I just know it when I see it. <laughs> yeah. I say yeah. that I don't know yeah. the right way or the wrong way because I'm not a comedian. That's that's not right. what I do. Uh, right. But there's got to be some space Shane there. Smith, feel free to join the show and roast yeah. us. We Hop give you permission. And, and tell us all of it. It'd be great. But th- there's a there's actually a reason why, why roasts are popular, right? Yeah, they're and hilarious. They're funny. <laughs> but even if you look at the format of a roast, it's it's meant to like make fun of the person who's the honoree. But then mm-hmm. everybody who gets up at a roast, they end up also not just telling a story about the person who's being roasted, but they roast everybody else who's on the panel. Right. <laughs> they roast their fellow roasters. Right. And that kind of levels the playing field a little bit. Like, hey, we are all the subject of mockery here. <laughs> we are all right. not to take ourselves that seriously. And, and then I'm going to, all right, now I'm going to take you down a peg. And I yeah, think that's yeah. actually really healthy. Like we need that every once right. in a while. But there's again, Definitely. there's there's a way. Look at look at the way that most guys will interact with their friends, right? And there's there's a different kind of joking that you have with your with other men. There's a different way that you, that you laugh with them, that you tease them, and everything. And and there are certain jokes that you have with with guys, especially like your closest friends and guys you've yeah. known for a long time, there are certain jokes that you can make with them that you could never make with anybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that if you were to make them with, with somebody else you don't know as well, and this, I, I don't mean this in a, to sound sexist or anything, but like you could never make that joke with a woman. Right. You, I was you thinking to myself, you sh- I was thinking you're telling me I shouldn't roast my wife the way I roast my bros. It's definitely not a good idea. I mean, I think about one of my one of my friends. Although I got to tell you, Renee's pretty quick, man. She that's true. That's true. You know that she's pretty quick. She's quick on right. her feet. She's funny. She's yeah. got a really good sense of humor. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking about this like if, very in particular. One of my closest priest friends. Uh, whenever I see him, the first thing he says to me is, "Hey, fatty." <laughs> <And> <laughs> right. right. It's funny. It's funny every time. It's funny. You know, right. I'm not all that fat, you know, but he's just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Okay. He could never say that to like his secretary just to try to make her laugh. Yeah, that would be, you know, yeah, that would be super mean. No, it'd be terrible. He couldn't say that even to yeah, his sister, yeah. right? Just to be funny. Right. That's, it's incredibly right. mean, right? But to a right. brother, to a friend, it's a different thing. Oh. So there's, there's a, a context for these jokes. There's a way that you can make the jokes and it's, it's okay. It's safe, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I think that that has to. be I it. can't believe you decided to be sexist on the show today. But what can I say? Was <laughs> <laughs> in a mood. <laughs> now yeah. the uh, the thing I appreciate though with musicians who have recorded their songs 
uh, with with people whose work has been published and it's out there, there's sort of a catalog. You can see the development of their of their thinking. Um, you see this with theologians mm-hmm. even. You can look back at some of the early work of, of a theologian, like take Joseph Ratzinger. You can go mm-hmm. back and read some of his his early published articles, and you'll see him mm-hmm. develop as a theologian. And and he even talks about it himself in some of the interview books mm-hmm. that he did. He'll talk about things that he was he was enthusiastic about at one time, and then decided that you know what, having thought through this, having written about it, and having kind of teased this idea and and mm-hmm. batted it around with other people, I'm realizing that it actually doesn't pay off. And you can see a, really? a theologian's development. Um, Avery Dulles does this in Models of the Church. So Models mm-hmm. of the Church was first published, I think, in 1972. And is it, he, is it a book on ecumenism? Uh, ecclesiology. Ecclesiology, okay. okay. So in, in Models of the Church, he basically just describes different ways, uh, different models that people have, theologians have, uh, for what the church is. Mm-hmm. So he talks about the church as institution, as servant, as uh, community, all these different all these different things. And then he, he republished it several years later, and then he did it again with an added chapter on the ecclesiology of John Paul II. And then I think the last iteration of it, he writes his own new preface to the book. And then he, he, I think he updates a couple of, of little things, but he, he says, basically, I've, I've republished this with some, some updates and some corrections of things that weren't quite phrased the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I look back on this now, and I realize that I was a little harsh on, uh, he, in particular, he calls out the model of the church as institution. He goes, of course, mm-hmm. it was fashionable to be harsh on the institutional church right. at the time that I wrote this. Right, right. So I was just keeping with the times. <laughs> he goes, right, but I also right. realized that my critique then was of of certain elements. I now understand that some of those things that I, I critiqued need to be understood a little bit more carefully. And so he's mm-hmm. able to to give sort of his own understanding of his development, the way that he has has developed thinking. And this is the thing that I worry about sometimes in our in our society that we don't give room for people to change. Mm. If you said something 10 years ago, that must be what you think. And that's not fair. Right. We've got to give people room to change, room to develop. And so part of the beauty of having a musician who has recorded lots of stuff over time, has a whole discography that you can look back and see this stuff, having a, an author who's written lots of things, you can see how they've developed as an author. But we give them that space because we see the evidence right. in front of us. And I think that's a really important thing to do. Can I ask you a tough question here? Yeah. Um, do I get a prize? <laughs> you get one high What's five. in it for me, Matt, is what I'm asking <laughs> <laughs> so little. There is so little in it for you. Um, nothing to gain. Let's go. <laughs> nothing. Nothing to gain. Everything to lose. Um, awesome. So Cardinal Fernandez recently. Mm-hmm. Now you know where it's going. Recently it's wrote going a now. not recently wrote a book, but but um, in the nineties wrote a book, I believe. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, called Mystical Passion, Spirituality, and yep. Sensuality. Um, it says he wrote this book. <laughs> you pulled the subtitle, man. Wow. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, it says that it, he was in his mid-30s. I mean, I'm getting this from National Catholic Register, just just for the yeah. record. I'm like skimming it as I say this. Um, and he did, to be fair to Cardinal Fernandez, say uh, that he certainly would not write the book now, right? But yeah. the, the, the reason that I bring it up is because we're talking about the development of artists and comedians and then theologians 
Um, and quite frankly, Cardinal Fernandez has taken a ton of crap for this book. Um, and, and I say that just as an objective, uh, you know, noticing of the data. Like, that's yeah. just true. He just has taken right, a right. lot of crap. Um, rightfully or wrongfully, I'm not commenting on. Um, but considering that we recognize that, one, people develop and change. Two, as a culture, we have a tendency not to allow people to develop and change. Uh, how is one to understand this? Given the tremendous role that he is in in the church, tremendous insofar as it is a very important role, um, and also um, the things that he has released recently, you know, fiducia supplicans and and yeah. then the clarification and the teachings, you know, that the church is bringing forward, you know, how do we do? How do we understand this? Yeah. Um, because frankly, it's been proposed as super troubling, right? Sure, and I think it is. It is troubling in, in a lot of ways. So there's there's a couple of things. First, we have to give people space to change. We have right. to acknowledge that it is possible for people to change, that something that I, I once said 10 years ago, I might not say anymore. Um, I, may, mm-hmm. I may even have changed my mind about that issue. Um, and mm-hmm. so there, there'd be a different approach that I would take now. We've got to give people mm-hmm. that, that grace because every single one of us wants that grace for ourselves. Right. I don't want to be held to something that I said 10 years ago that maybe I said it the wrong way uh, or even right. to to an idea. And usually this would come up in like the idea of um, pastoral care. I'm going to do something to take care of uh, the parish or, or something like that. Well, maybe 10 years ago, I thought something was a good idea. I might not think it's such a good idea anymore. And that's with the right. benefit of 10 years of experience and hindsight and personal growth and maturation, I hope. Um, I hope it's maturation. I hope it's not regressing to something <laughs> else, right? So I would Ten like to be given that grace. years of falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to be given that grace to just to, to know that I'm, I'm going to be received and that there's room for right. me to grow. But at the same time, if there's something that I did, and I'm, I'm making this personal instead of talking about Cardinal Fernandez, right? But if there was something Fair that enough. I said or wrote uh, 10 years ago, five years ago, that is really beyond what I should have said or written, mm. or if in some way what I said or wrote is deeply problematic, then it's on me to distance myself from myself. I've, I've got to do something to say, I mm. reject that idea. And I'm sorry that I said it. I've got to be ready to either apologize or to correct myself. Actually, what I should have said is this. I was wrong to say mm-hmm. that and admit the fault. It's much better right. to repent of the of the incorrect thing that you said or the incorrect way that you communicated something uh, than to say, well, I, I just stand by it. I'm not going to change anything at all. So I would rather that I, if somebody finds something that's a problem in what I've said in the past that they tell me. And this is where I think there's room for critiquing. There's, there's mm-hmm. always room to say, I have a question about this thing that you are on record saying, or this thing that is, is in the past. How right. would you address this now? Um, or do you still stand by that? Do you still believe that? Again, there's got to be room for people to grow. There's got to be room for right. people to, to change and to kind of come into their own and, if, if we don't give people that grace, then we're there, there's a problem. Now, at the same time, I think there's also room to kind of critique the way that somebody goes about trying to massage something from the past. Mm. 
So there was an article that came out not too long ago about this issue with the past writings of Cardinal Fernandez. And I thought it was a really interesting one because he said, all right, on the one hand, Cardinal Fernandez did the stand-up thing. When he realized this book and its problems, you know, he ordered it not to be published again. So right. he pulled it from ever being reprinted, which is the right, right. thing to do. The book is problematic. Yeah. There are things there that are strange and, and not appropriate. And so he removed it from, from publication. Good move. So he did the stand-up thing. He also said, uh, I was younger and I wouldn't do that now. And one of the critiques of that is, dude, you were in your late 30s when you wrote that. This isn't like the right. immature mistake of a, a zealous, newly ordained priest who's just trying right. to communicate something in a way that's relevant. This is this is you writing this with a decade of and more of experience under your belt as a priest and with right. pastoral care of souls under your belt, and, and you do this instead. You should know better by then. Right. And I think there's room to say things like that. Like when yeah, I mess enough. up at this point in my life as a priest, when I do something, if I say something the wrong way, I know better. And it is fair right. if somebody says, Father, you should know better because it's true. Right. I'm, not, yeah. because, I'm not some right, young priest who's never experienced point. things. Yeah. Right. I am an experienced priest. I know certain things. So it's okay to say, hey, that was that was really the wrong way to do it. And I think there's also room to say, does that account of, well, I, I pulled it from publication, does that stand up? Because in this in this article, and if I can find it, I'll send it to you, and then we can put it in the show notes. And if yeah, we we'll don't find notes, it, yeah. sorry, folks, it's it might not be there. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. Right, fair enough. But it, it kind of outlines some of the other things that Fernandez published subsequent to that book, and how some of the things that he was publishing were very much in the same line. They were they were on the right. same uh, wavelength, speaking to the same themes, talking in, in the same language. Well, at that point then, all right, you wrote a book that you said shouldn't be published anymore, but it doesn't seem like you, you dropped the idea. It mm-hmm. seems like the point that you were trying to make, you've continued to make and you've continued to push. And that is where there's room for a serious question, right? Right. I don't want to cancel somebody because of one thing that they wrote. But I think that it's fair to offer criticisms when there's a pattern and where there's a consistency right. of, of certain right. either behaviors or, or, or uh, thought processes. I think it's worth being able to say, that doesn't sound quite right to me. And maybe we need yeah. to look at it. Maybe we need to investigate that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I, the reason that I asked is because when we're talking about, like, we can have this conversation with less serious topics like songwriting, like comedy that like, listen, it just doesn't bear the same weight, you know, for, for everyone else personally, it's like a cool testimony, you know, but it's not, it's not playing a role in the life of the church and and having subsequent teachings to the universal tar- church coming out of it. You know what I mean? Um, and so I do think it's just this interesting connection. And and frankly, like I want to, first of all, I appreciated that you said we need to give people time to change. I really appreciate that you say, you know, the levying of certain cris- criticisms is, is warranted, you know, given, given patterns you know, mm-hmm. um, 
but to, you know, continue to ask you tough questions. Sorry about that. Um, there is still an extent of like, all right, all this is good. All this is good. But what should I do? You know what I mean? Yeah. What does this actually mean for me? Um, because I'm, cause I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm not rejecting anything. You know what I mean? Like I'm not rejecting anything. Um, but that doesn't mean I understand it. Maybe not understand it. It doesn't mean I know how to like make them work together. For those of you who can't see, I'm putting my hands together so my fingers fit perfectly in line, <laughs> right? But I don't like, do you know what I mean? How do I make these things jive basically? You know yeah. what I mean? Where it's like, oh, you're telling me this is the guy who wrote this document that is, listen, again, observation of the data has been troublesome. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, what do I do here? You know, um, knowing that the answer isn't like, I'm just going to reject everything outright. Yeah. I would, I would take this approach and to use a less hot button example. Uh, yeah, I think please. It's useful I mean, in this. Yeah, that's because yeah. we are talking about it. We're talking about a serious issue with the, right. the thought and the content of the writings of the prefect for the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith. And that's a serious office that requires some serious credentials and everything. And if there's questions yeah. about those credentials, it's, it's valid and necessary, I think, to raise those concerns. So that part yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good and, with. And to be clear, you know, to go back to Dr. Altieri, he said, if you, I don't know if you remember this, but he said, if you're ever going to, you know, critique a bishop or a cardinal, you better have your ducks in line, you know? Yeah. Uh, Make sure and, you know what and you're so talking that's about. Why, right. So I'm not, I don't know. I just, just so everyone knows, right. Yeah. I'm coming at this from the perspective of like, I'm a Catholic trying to live the faith, you know, in my everyday life, you know, and this has been a thing across so many news outlets. And yeah. and we do live in a time where it's hard to find what's, you know, what's accurate, what's it true. It is an undeniable fact. Yeah, it is an yeah. undeniable fact that some of the things that Cardinal Fernandez has written in the past and his most recent writings have right. caused great consternation in the church. Broadly speaking, nice. That's a fact. Nice use of, use of the word consternation. Love. Yeah, it. it's a good one, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we can we can say that very safely. It is it's simply right. the truth that right. this man, by his uh, writings, by his teaching, by his actions, has brought up some questions. Yeah. So we're not asking questions in a spirit of disobedience or disloyalty. No. Um, we're not trying to just trip him up or anything like that. There are real questions there. Now, we should right. try to receive those answers. You know, he writes about receiving uh, this in a spirit of tranquility. And so mm-hmm. to be sort of open and calm about it is a very, very healthy thing for us to do as well. At the same time, what we're going to find is that not everybody who tries to teach us something is going to teach us in the same way or with the same mm-hmm. level of effectiveness. And so there are some teaching styles that over time you learn as a student. I don't like it when a teacher teaches that way. And so mm-hmm. I'm not going to really listen as much, or that teacher's not gonna impact me as much as this other teacher whose teaching style tends to fit better with my approach to learning. Right. right? And so there are some things that we might not really find that jiving. We might not find things coming together as easily as we want because the way that it's being presented to us just doesn't work all that well. Mm-hmm. I remember something that I was told uh, when I started my theology studies and it was by one of the professors and he said, I'm going to quote Karl Rahner. And I know that Karl Rahner for some people is thought of as a controversial theologian. Mm-hmm. And 
again, I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit now. Nobody really talks about Carl Rahner <laughs> anymore. Or not, not the, not the way that we did. Carl Rahner's brother had one of the greatest lines ever. Uh, his brother said they are still translating his work into German. Right. Carl Rahner was German right. and yeah. wrote in German. <laughs> They're still translating his work into German. So, so famously dense in in the way that he phrased things and the sort of complexity of his thought process and his his line of argumentation. And there are things that Rahner says that you go, I, I just don't know. That just that's not resonating for right. me. I can't say that he's wrong or that it's absolutely false. There are some things I think that it has been demonstrated that Rahner said that weren't correct, but Rahner was doing the work of theology. Mm-hmm. Propose an idea, put it out there, and let's see if it holds water. Right. And maybe it doesn't, and it needs to be corrected. Maybe this this idea is incorrect, and it's just going to go away. But nevertheless, he's doing the work. And th- my professor said, I'm going to quote him, because even if you don't like what he says, or even if you find him difficult to understand— it is undeniably true that Rahner is one of the most important theologians of this century. Right. Of the, or of the last century, right. right? Again, even if you don't like what you're reading, it doesn't mean that it's without impact right. or that it, it is unimportant. Sometimes we have to engage uncomfortable ideas and things that we don't really like. That doesn't mean that that has to become our favorite thing. Right. Or we have to buy into it wholeheartedly. But we have to engage the uncomfortable idea in order to understand it. Yeah. We have a tendency as a society, I think, to say, well, I'm uncomfortable that this has been put out there. Or I'm right. uncomfortable that you said once this. So that right. makes me uncomfortable with you now in the present moment. Uh, I don't think I can listen to you or talk to you because 30 years ago you said the following. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've got to actually give space for that that growth. Say, so that thing that that happened thirty years ago that you talked about that you did. Do you still believe it? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I've put that aside. I'm I'm no longer on that on that path. Okay, you know, there's there's so much there's so much beauty to like making amends. Yeah. Uh, to restoration, to repentance. There's so much beauty to those places where we can say I was incorrect about this thing, and I'm trying to be better. Mm-hmm. I think if we if we give that kind of space, it's it's better. So in terms of trying to make the stuff that's coming out of the Vatican right now jive and, and make sense, it might be better for us actually to become comfortable with the idea that this might not make sense. This might not really become something that we're ever comfortable with. Yeah. We've got to be ready to engage. Yes. Because it's necessary for us as members of the church, as right. faithful sons of, of the church, it's necessary for us to be part of it, to know what's going on. Yeah. But we might not really find that sweet spot where, like, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's interesting. I'm on board. Because, you know, the 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 Vatican released it. I mean, the Vatican released a document. They did. But um, I don't know who was Pope actually at the time, um, but it's it's basically like the the vocational role of theologians. That's the document. Um, you may actually even just know what I'm talking about, but if not, that's okay too. Um, but it does talk about like different levels of of document and and the kind of assent that is required of a certain document, you know. Um, and so yeah. some documents require the assent of faith, you know. Some documents require the religious submission of of intellect and will. And those are two really different things. Um, but then it goes on to say, well, there are there will be some theologians who struggle with things the magisterium says. Um, 
and to be clear, I'm not saying I'm not trying to say that the things that have come out recently are certain kinds of magisterial documents, but rather the point this document says is that there will be theologians who have difficulty, who need to um, prayerfully work through things in that sense of tranquility, with that sense of tranquility, um, and who, if it, like if it is a document that requires faith, you know, the ascent of faith, and you are struggling with, that can be a burden that God has given you. That you that it's almost like they say that you like that you offer that, you know. Um, and it becomes yeah. this thing that you that you have to it's it uses the words that you it doesn't say that you prayerfully wait through, but it does say with um with confidence that truth will prevail. Um and I do think that we find ourselves in a situation where Anyone who says, I'm wholesale rejecting the Catholic faith because of controversies in the last several months, you know, I'm out of here, you know, like that isn't the call right now. You know, we are at that point where we are called to that sense of patience, you know, to that, to the perseverance and to the prayer to try and understand and to, um, just seek after the Lord in his church, trusting that the faith is going to prevail, you know? And that could look like us gaining a better understanding or the document being clarified, you know what I mean? The document, any of these documents, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because there's been several that like were like, that people have said, what the heck does this mean, you know? Um, so, so I think that's, to me at least, that's something I've been trying to take to heart, which is like, this might be something I struggle with. That's okay. Um, so long as I engage in things patiently and prayerfully, um, seeking after yeah. Jesus in all things, you know? Yeah. There are some things that we, that we accept, that we, that we believe, even if we don't fully understand. And the struggle is trying to understand. Right. There can be some pain trying to wrestle with an right. idea and trying to understand it better. There can be some pain that comes along with uh, trying to have a, a fuller understanding of this point or that point. Yeah, and that pain can be can be very real. Right, um, and it can be a real challenge for us to understand. The point is to strive for that understanding, mm-hmm. and sometimes that means waiting. Sometimes that means not knowing or, or not fully grasping it, but knowing that you're called to to understand or that you're called to to believe rather. Right. Um, and and I think you're right too that that attitude of being receptive to it, uh, and and the attitude also of uh, just trying to to accept with tranquility with peace that it's not you who's in control but God. Yeah. <laughs> Goes a long way. Yeah. Goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. I got to run. <laughs> Sounds good. It's good talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. I did not think we would cover such a range of topics. This was so on brand. <laughs> That's what the tangents all This is what we about. do. Thanks right. for listening, listeners. <laughs> God bless you. We're going to start breaking the fourth wall now, so. <laughs> all right. Peace, Father. See you later, man. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to further support The Tangent, please consider subscribing or following on your preferred platform, following us at the Tangent underscore Catholic on Instagram, or even donating at VeritasCatholic.com. See you next time. God bless.